welcome. Welcome tonight. Some are wondering if we had regular services again and yet uh, in between Christmas and New Year's. And yes, we do. So we're glad that you are here. And if you're watching online, Paul, nice to... Well, I can't see you, but I'll see you this week. Glad to have you with us uh, as well. And for those in the room, always, always good. So tonight, want to... Uh, Want to chat, just, uh, we, we started a series, then we did Christmas, and now we're going to finish that series, but this is kind of one week in between, and I just want to call tonight the experiment. And uh, maybe you love Christmas. Anybody here enjoy Christmas? I know not everyone does. I know it's not, it's not always the greatest time of the year for, for some, but there, it truly is an amazing season that even when you're in dark places, the hope of what Christ has done for us is, tr- is truly incredible. Uh, it is an amazing season, and uh, I wanted to just kind of leave it like it was. You know, I didn't want to take the decorations down. I wanted to leave like the lights up because it really is a season of lights. Uh, when you think of uh, the Simcoe panorama, we've been there so many times, and yet we just got to go back every year just to, to see the lights. There's just something about, about there. And then this, this year, there was this guy on a bike with a big like stereo system biking around, and he was all lit up. His helmet was blinking lights and his whole bike was it was like man I didn't think they could make it any better and they made it better it was great and, and it's like all the pizzazz and there's like lots of color and it's bright and it's like it's overwhelming but it's awesome and then there's the other side of the spectrum when you sit down in a service just a candlelight service and it's just you and a few others and the candles being lit it's not overbearing but there's just something precious about that moment I don't know how many of you were able to be at the candlelight services there's a bunch of you, 300 of you, almost 300 of you showed up on the one night. Uh, that was insane. But uh, just a, an amazing, amazing time celebrating the light of the world. It's why we lit up the manger, because he is the light of the world. And I just got to say to our church, I was so, oh man, blessed. I don't even know what the word is. I was just so grateful that you guys went out as inviters you went out and you said, we'll, give pe- we'll, we'll let people say no, but we're going to give them the opportunity. And you invited and you invited and lots of people came to see what God is doing, what God has done. And, oh man, I just love being a part of a church like that. So thank you for that. Uh, and, you know, even though Christmas can be hectic and crazy, I feel like this week has just been like, it's totally backwards and upside down. So if this sermon's not good, it's just because I think it's like Thursday. So, uh, but it's just everything is out of, out of order. But even though it's a little hectic and crazy, there's just something about Christmas. I'm like, I just don't want it to end. And my wife helps me with that. She wants to keep the decorations up in her house. We're sitting there the other night. She just looks like, it's just so pretty. You know, I just, I just want to leave it up. I'm like, honey, it's been up since the first week of November. She had them up before Remembrance Day this year because it snowed. It's like, oh, it's just, it's just so beautiful. And uh, I thought, you know what? Yeah, we can keep them up. And then she got a brand new candle with a brand new wreath two days after Christmas. So that just got set up. And, and I'm afraid, you know, that by the summertime, this is going to be us. That we're going to be the one on June 6th with a Christmas tree up in our house. But, but we'll see. We'll see. You know, I, I, there's, there's that. But then there's the other side. I remember having friends of mine that uh, on on Boxing Day, their tree was down. Like, the day after Christmas, everything was cleaned up and put away. It's like, you know, done. Without fail, let's put it away till next year. Any of you here? Anybody? You've already packed it up? Oh, it's going to say. We're on the other side. That's good, because that's the side I'd like to, us to, to stay on. You know, because we have this thing for some. It's like, it's time to put it all away. Put it away till next year. 
And I think we can be tempted to do that in our lives sometimes. I think we can be tempted to put away the celebration of light, the celebration of the light of the world coming. There's something so special about that moment. And we're just like, okay, let's pack it away and we'll do it again next year. But my, my challenge, I guess, for us tonight and myself primarily is what if we just celebrated, we celebrated the season of light for just one more day? What if we just celebrated the season of light for just one more day? Uh, because it's a pretty big deal. Christmas is a pretty big deal. Um, some of you came here at night and you got in here and like, what, they're singing Christmas carols? Oh, I thought we were done with I was just listening to Christmas carols on the radio all this time. If that was you, don't raise your hand. That first Christmas was a huge deal. They had been, they'd been waiting for it forever. Isaiah had prophesied about this baby coming. It was not just any baby. Uh, Isaiah 9 verse 2, it said this, The people who walk in darkness, they're going to see a great light. We take light for granted because we flip a switch and boom, there it is. But they didn't think like that. For them, light was this precious commodity. If the fire went out, the light went out. It was, it was a lot of work to get light back. And they said, you know, people who are walking in this, this um, life of darkness, not out here, but in here, in here, where only his light can shine. He says, those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light's going to shine. And a child will be born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. He's not just any baby. He's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's a lot of middle names. What an amazing, amazing thought that he really came for us. It's a big deal. And as I thought in prepping for tonight, I thought about John. John was an eyewitness follower of Jesus. He was there <laughs> years later. Years later, he sat down to write down what it was like to hang out with Jesus. Man, it's, uh, it's something. I've been, people probably asked him, John, you, know, you, you came and you shared about Jesus with us. And uh, Paul told us about Jesus. And we've, we've heard there's a Peter and other guy. Can you just tell us what, it's, what, it was like, what was it like to be right there with him? You know, have you ever met somebody who's been to like some amazing event? And you're like, okay, what was it like to be there? I can just imagine people asking John, John, what was it like to be there? And, and him probably sitting there old. He's old when he writes this. And he thinks, man, how do I explain to mere mortals what that was like? There's nothing like that. I, don't, I can't compare it to anything. It wasn't like, hey, you remember the Olympics from you know, a couple years ago? It was like, I have nothing to compare this to except for this. The way that I would explain it is this, and John begins his, his letter, his gospel, his good news document by saying this. The word Jesus, he gave life to everything that was created. You know, he, was, he was God, he was there in the beginning, and he, his life, it brought light. Wherever we went, his life brought light to everyone. You know, that light, it shines in the darkness, you know, it didn't matter. Whatever darkness was there, darkness could not extinguish it. He wrote this after, you know, after the, the birth of Jesus, after the life of Jesus, after the death of Jesus, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus, the beginning of the church. He wrote it after all of that. As he's sitting there, he writes, you know what? Yeah, darkness could not extinguish it. We thought it did at times. You know, the darkness of that stable that night. Didn't extinguish it. There were stars and angels that lit the way. You know, the darkness on the night of his birth was similar to the darkness on the night of his betrayal. You know, the darkness in the hearts of those people who put him on trial, the darkness of those Jewish leaders who went around the law to convict and condemn him. 
The darkness of Roman crucifixion, the darkness of death, the darkness of that tomb, the darker it got, it's just the stronger light shone. And maybe he says, you know, I'm getting ahead of myself. So he carries on in verse 6. Before that, God sent a man named John the Baptist, not me, a different John. He says, to tell you about the light. To tell about that light so that everyone might believe. That's why he came, so everyone might trust because of his testimony. You know, John himself, he wasn't the light. He was, he was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is true light. He's not, he doesn't have, he's not holding light. He is light. Every bit of him is true light. And he gives that light to everyone. Uh, that light was coming into the world. You know, I think that, you know, that thought, you know, he was, he gave light to other people. It's like, it's like a candle lighting a candle. Remember the other night we were like candle to candle to candle. And maybe John's like, you know what? It's more like a flamethrower to a candle. That's more what this was, even though there was no flamethrowers back then. If there was a flamethrower, that's kind of what this was like. It was just, it's all consuming, life changing, light you up on the inside, light the world around you kind of light. Verse 10 says, he came into the world he created. Thought about that? It's like a painter entering his own painting. We can't even imagine that. It's like a potter, you know, entering somehow, getting into his own pottery. Can't imagine that. But he says he came into this very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him as creator. He came to his own people, the ones he had called, and they didn't recognize him. But verse 12, but to all who believed. Any of you here tonight? All who believed? There's a couple, two, three. Do I have to turn the lights on? But all who believed and accepted him, man, he gave the right to become children of God. He says, they're reborn. They're born. Something happens to them. It's not a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And John would keep coming back to that thought. As he's telling his story, maybe he's writing it, maybe he's dictating it, and someone else is writing it. But he gets to John 8. We know it as John 8. It's that, that thing so you know that now, it's famous now, this story. But as he's telling you, he says, there was this time, man. We went to the temple. We are there early. And all of a sudden, these guys bring this woman to us. There's Jesus. And all of a sudden, they come. And they, we can tell right away there's something not right. They bring this woman who's, who they right away tell us. She looks bad because we caught her in the act of adultery. Jesus, we think, we think she deserves to be judged. We think she deserves to be condemned. We brought the rocks with us. We're ready to end her life right here in front of everybody. Children included. They need to see. They need to see the example. But what do you say, Jesus? As we thought and we looked and we watched, we knew. Twelve of us, we knew. He better. He better. He better not. What's he going to say? As Jesus, he didn't say anything. He just got down on the ground and he started writing stuff. And when they pressed him further, he finally said, okay, whoever's without sin, you throw the first stone. Man, it was brilliant. Because the only one who could throw a stone was the one who didn't throw one. He was the one who could have condemned her. And he simply said, you know what? I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And after that moment, the story goes on. Jesus talked to all the other people who were around. And he said to them, he said these words, I'm the light of the world. You just watch something happen right here. I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, like I gave her the opportunity to, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness either because you'll have the light that leads to life. You'll have the light within that leads to life. And as Jesus talked to people more and more about this, 
He says, all of a sudden, they all got angry and they wanted to stone him. The ones who believed in him were all of a sudden like, we, they, they got offended and they wanted to stone him. And it's just Jesus, he played hide and seek and just, he won, he got out of there. And the way John writes it, it's like, oh, he just was hidden from them and they, and they missed him with the rocks. Later, later we were walking along and we see this blind man and I don't know which disciple it was, but one of them asked Jesus, hey, he's been blind we heard he's been blind from birth. Was it his sin? Did he sin like in the womb? Or was it his parents that sinned? Why is he blind? You know, Jesus was just saying like, why? guys, we're not here to figure out causes and to spend our time just sitting around pontificating, if that's a word, about where this started and how it happened. We're here for a, a bigger reason than that. John 9 records and he says this, it wasn't because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happens so the power of God could be seen in him. And then he says this again. He says, we, not just myself, but we must quickly carry out the tasks or the works assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night's coming and then no one can work. But while I'm here in the world, I'm the light of the world. John's probably thinking, there he is again. There's that thing, promised light of the world. He says he's the light of the world. We didn't know it then, but Jesus is alluding to the fact that he's not going to be with us for, for very long. And it was just a few days later, we're on our way, and we hear that Lazarus, Jesus' friend, has died. And we're like, Jesus, our friend, he, Lazarus is dead. He's like, yeah, let's go back to Judea. And he's like, Judea is exactly the place we were when those guys wanted to stone you. Do you want to go back there? I remember what he said. He simply said this. John, there's 12 hours of daylight every day. And we're like, okay, yeah, we know that. What are you saying? He's like, during the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there's danger of stumbling because they have no life. Don't you guys realize, fellas, don't you realize? You have the light of the world walking with you. You are not in any danger. Did they get me last time? No. Okay, they're not going to get me this time. Let's go. And Thomas is like, or Philip, one of the, I don't remember which one, says, okay, let's go. Let's just get, let's just die with them then. And Jesus, I can just see, he shakes his head. He walks, man, they still have some stuff to realize. They don't realize that the light is with them. And then as John writes about Jesus' final week, before his, before his crucifixion, he includes a conversation where the crowd just presses around Jesus. We didn't know it was his last week on the planet, but they wanted to know, are you the Messiah? Are you the Savior? And Jesus replied again with this thought. He's like, my light will shine for you for just a little longer. Walk in that light while you can. To the crowds, he said, you know, the darkness, I don't want it to overtake you. Those who walk in darkness, they can't see where they're going. They wander aimlessly through life. He says, but the light is right here. Verse 36, would you put your trust in the light while there's still time? Then you'll become children of the light. You know, that, that sentence would you put your trust in the light while there's still time? Time's a funny thing. Time goes, we can't stop it. Time runs on, a, on, a, on an amount of time that we have no idea how much we have. To the people hearing at that moment, to you here tonight, he simply says, would you put your trust in the light while you have time? While you have time. And Jesus said to them, put your trust in me. I am who, who, I, am who I said I am. I am who the prophets say I am. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior. You can put your trust in me. And he, he had kind of veiled that for a number of years, but not anymore. He said, put your trust in me while there's still time. And he says, and then you will become children of light. You know, I kind of wonder if John sort of sat back at that moment as he was thinking about it, about that statement. You will become children of light. If you put your trust in him, you'll become children of light. Maybe he thought, you know, Matthew, 
I remember Matthew was there too, and he wrote, he wrote about Jesus' teachings. I remember Matthew writing with Peter and Jesus, having a conversation, and Jesus says to him, Peter, I'm going to build my gathering of Jesus followers. Man, I'm going to build this thing called the church, and the gates of hell, the gates of darkness will not stand against my gathering of Jesus' followers. I remember him writing down at 1.2 where Jesus simply said these words, Fellas, anybody followers of me, you are the light of the world. And I think they'd be sitting there going, no, 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 Jesus, you're the light of the world. He's like, no, no, you're the light of the world. And the question is like, who, me? Maybe, maybe you know, who's he talking about? And they're, all, they're saying, we, we know, we believe he's the light of the world. He says, no, you guys, you're the light of the world. Verse 14, you're the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. So I was just reading up on this. The city on a hill, you know, Jerusalem, the city on a hill, it can't be hidden. They would think, man, you're right. We think about Jerusalem, it's amazing. People can see it for miles around. It's, they know as they're walking from the Jordan River, they can see it. It's still 20 miles away and it takes a long time, but they can see it all the way. And even at night, you know, when it gets dark and man, that, it just lights up. You know, our, our friends, our family members come in Jerusalem, they can see it. To be honest, our enemies can see it as well. And Jesus is like, that's what I want you to be like. I want you to be like a city on a hill, not ashamed to shine, not hiding out somewhere, not ashamed to be my followers. Anyone can see it. And then he goes on, he says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp's placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Fellas, <laughs> no one hides a lamp he says no one takes their lamp and and hides it so why would you you're the light of the world why would you hide that and that's a really good question because i think that's a question that i have to answer i think that's a question that any jesus follower should answer why would we put away the lights why would we hide it <laughs> as we had this candlelight service here a few hundred candles you know we were trying to find them before the candlelight service, we had to dig down underneath all like the, where all the grime and stuff from the, from like all the events, it just gets thrown under the stairs back there. And then the kids make forts under there and it just like goes all over the place. We finally find all these candles and like, I got to toss a bunch. And, and you know what? We're like, man, you know, we, we, this year, let's make sure that we put them in a good place to find them. Guess where they are? Back under the stairs with all the, the grime and the, the wax from last year's candles. We, we stick them down under there because we don't need them for another year. But why do we do that? And are we ever tempted to do that in our real lives? Are we tempted to just say, take a day off of shining? Those candles are meant to shine. That's all they're meant for. They're meant to be lit, to shine until their their end. But they spend most of their time hiding out underneath the staircase. I thought, man, what a picture of me sometimes. This thought of, man, I've just been designed to shine for him to a world in darkness, to just let them know that he has come, that they have a savior, that there's forgiveness of sins, to shine bright for others. How often do I just allow my life to be hidden? How about you? You know what I love about that thought? Jesus said, you know, the, the city on a hill, all the outsiders can see it. Everyone can see outside that city on a hill. Do you know what the lamp talks about? I don't know if this was Jesus' point, but it just jumped off the page at me. That he wants, you to, he wants the people inside the house to be able to see it too. 
It's like, as, as difficult as it is to say, I'm going to go to every house in Balmoral. I felt so, so challenged to go to every house and give them a gift and let them know God loves them and invite them to our candlelight services. It was like, I felt like he, his heart was on that. And I'm like, oh, it's difficult. I don't know why. And I was like, pray for me. And I went and it was awesome. But as I thought about this, you know, I think sometimes that's a whole lot easier than actually living it out in our own homes. To let the light shine out there, to let the light shine in, in our own church family. It's easy to love somebody over there when you give them a gift and they give you a hug and say, we'll never see you again. Then the person in your pew, in your row, that you, just irritates you, drives you crazy. The person in your home that just, you're at odds. And he's like, man, I want you to shine. I want you to shine all the time. Sometimes it's easier to shine outside for others than it is to shine in just in our own homes. Uh, you know, does your spouse see Jesus in you? Oh, man, asking, I'm not at, don't answer, hon. This is on YouTube. <laughs> do, your kid, do, you, do your kids see Jesus? I know this is like, like it may, it, maybe it's just for me, but man, it really like hit me this week. Do, do my kids see Jesus in me? I know they see it in her, but do they see it in me? Do they see him in me? Do they, you know, do, do your siblings see Jesus in you? Do the people in your school see Jesus in you? Do they see that? And, and today, you know, do they, do they see it in your actions? Do they see it in your reactions? Do they see it in the way you handle things? This morning, uh, my son and I had a teachable moment. <laughs> he has this thing where we're not always sure he's telling the truth. And so this morning he came into the kitchen and, and I had told him, you guys got to have breakfast. And he's like, I, I had breakfast, dad. And he, had, he said it with that, that same thing that I'm like, I don't think he did. And so I said to him, son, you know, um, okay, you tell me the truth. Did you have breakfast? He's like, yes. I'm like, what did you have? He looks around the thing and there's a box of Cheerios on the counter. He's like, cereal. I was like, you did, eh? Where's the bowl? He's like, I put it in the dishwasher. And I went to the dishwasher and I looked and I said, which one? And he's like, that one? And he points to the first one. I'm like, son, I put that bowl in there. And I start to see the tears start coming down his face. He's like, well, then it was that one. And I'm like, uh-huh, I put all of them in the dishwasher. It wasn't you at all. And then I'm like, and did you have milk? And I opened up the fridge and I looked in the fridge and there's the milk container at the very back behind all of thanks, or I mean Christmas dinner from yesterday. It's in the very back. I'm like, he can't reach that. I'm like, do you see? And, and I see the tears running down his face. Dad, I had breakfast and I had milk. And I'm like, okay, show me how you got the milk. He stands up on the bushes a chair there and he gets up there and he reaches his arm, like snakes it through all the turkey and everything else and lifts that jug and brings it out past all the bottles. And I'm like, oh man, he did have breakfast this morning. <laughs> and like, as I watched my son just in tears, I was like, man, son, I am so sorry. Like, I didn't believe you. I didn't trust you. Will you forgive me? And just his look at it, to hear that from his dad, it was like that, that look, that face-to-face, and just, he just couldn't even talk, and he just gave me a huge hug, and I was so thankful for forgiveness. But how many times have I like, made a mistake and just walked away from it? Do they see that forgiveness? Do they see that owning up? Man, I was wrong, but let me make it right, right now moments. Do they see Christ in us? Man, it's so much easier just to go hand out gifts than to live those things out sometimes. Am I shining? 
Are we shining as lights in the world? Maybe you're like, I'm not sure. How, How do I know? That's a great question. And Jesus answers it this way. He said to his disciples and followers now in the same way, just like that city on the hill, like I was talking about, it shines, everyone can see it. He's like, just like the lamp in the house where everybody on the inside and your church family and your home, they can see it. He's like, just like that, would you let your good deeds shine? Remember, he might even said, fellas, remember when I was saying way back then, there's only so much daytime, we've got to do the works that he sent us to do because it's not going to last forever. Man, this is what he's saying. Let those, it's the same word. Let those good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will what? Praise your heavenly father. Let your good deeds shine in such a way that people see God through you. Because we're so tempted, you know what? We're so tempted to let our good deeds shine so people see us. I mean, it's like, it's like one of those things. I'm so tempted as I walked down some of, those, some of those driveways and I handed gifts, especially on the first day. And I was like, I don't know, what do they think of, what are they going to think of me? I'm going to go during the day so they don't think I'm some creepy guy, you know, coming and knocking on windows at night. And, and I walked to, to their houses and, and one of them, she, you know, as she came out, she gave, she's just like, wow, that's amazing. Gave me a big hug. And what did she say? You're so awesome. Your church is so great. And I was like, yeah, keep going. You know, this is like, we, we are, we're, we're pretty awesome. Who would, who would do this? And I was reminded that's not why we're there. Reminded that our, our good deeds weren't meant for us to look good. They were meant for people to see that God cares about them enough to send somebody their way, to send somebody to do something for them. And maybe you're like, well, you know, shouldn't our good deeds be anonymous? I think there's something in the Bible that says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. I'm pretty sure. I think Jesus might have said it. You're in luck. Matthew chapter 6, it's there. Matthew wrote it down. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly. I was like, I knew it. I knew it. I do good deeds. They're just anonymous. They don't have to be seen. But here's what he says. He says, don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. He says, you'll lose the reward from your father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do. They're blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I say, I tell you the truth. They've received all the reward they're ever going to get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Give your gifts in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. When he's talking to them, he's simply saying, listen, (laughs) there's a way to do this. And it's not that people can't know. He's like, it's what's going on here and here when you're doing it. Because I think sometimes we get to that spot where like, well, I don't want anybody to know. We'll do these things anonymously. We'll just kind of, maybe I could, we'll just try and find, a, you know, the, the person behind us in Tim Hortons. We'll buy their coffee and then drive, drive away and nobody, nobody needs to know. But I feel good because I did something. Paul would later write to new believers, to new Jesus followers. And he said to the, that, this to them. What a powerful thought. First Corinthians 11, 1. He says, would you imitate me the way I imitate Christ? <laughs> Look at me and watch me. The way that I follow Christ, do as I do. Because I'm following him. I'm doing whatever I can. And the the whole chapter before, I'm doing whatever I can to point people to Christ. I'm trying to win people to Christ. Whatever I'm doing that actually looks like Christ, do that same thing. If it doesn't look like Christ, don't do it. But what looks like Christ, do. Do like that in me. (laughs) I thought that question. I'm like, man, can I stand up here tonight and simply say that to you? Hey, everyone at Kingsway, would you just imitate me the way I'm imitating Christ? It's like, man, I don't know if I'm there yet. I don't know if I'm in that spot. But then I read about it in Hebrews. Paul, or whoever wrote Hebrews, Beth swears it's Paul. So we're going to go with that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. 
Let's hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Verse 24, let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Have you done that recently? Have I thought of ways to motivate one another? One another's us, the brothers, the sisters, to, to uh, acts of love and to good works. That same word again, good deeds, the works that the Father sent us to do. I've thought of good intentions. I'm full of good intentions. And as we get close to New Year's, it's like good intentions happen a lot. All of a sudden it's like, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. I'm going to like work harder this year. I'm going to actually work less and spend more time with my family. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to quit a job, whatever. We have these intentions of things we're going to do. And I just want to share a quick video with you and then wrap this up. We stand at the edge of this new year. These 365 days in front of us. And instead of letting them blow by us, we look each of them in the eye. And one by one. We live them with intention. 365 days of sheer purpose. Each lived like it's the only day we've got. What if I live every day like no other day is owed to me? I'd reach out to my dad, make things right before it's too late. On my sister's birthday this year, I'd call instead of text. I would wake up in the morning and I would ask God what he wants me to do. I'd take those vacation days I still haven't used. Instead of inviting her to coffee, I'd invite her to church. Make myself get up early so I can watch cartoons with my kids. I'd give myself a break. I would take her to that park she's been wanting to go to, the one that's all the way across town. I'd say I love you, and I'd say it every day. On Thanksgiving, my table would be open to the whole neighborhood. Mother's Day would mean more than a $5 card. I'd let God have all the stuff weighing me down. I'd have more courage because I'd have nothing to lose. I would take Jesus seriously when he asked us to feed the hungry. Serve the very least of these. Look after the sick. I'd be quicker to forgive because he forgave me. Living every moment with intention. Taking every purpose by the horns. Leaving nothing unsaid. Leaving nobody behind. Making every minute count. I would use every hour I had on this earth. To love God. To love others. One intentional day at a time. Do you have any thoughts go through your mind? As you watch that, what would I do if I thought of every day as that was my one chance? What would I intentionally do with that day? As I watched that, I thought of that, that, that verse from Hebrews 10. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and to good works. What if we decided to intentionally help one another with this? What if we actually said, that's not just a nice verse. I think we should live that out. What if we could motivate one another to acts of love and good works, as, as the, the author writes? And so that's where I want to leave us tonight with what I want to call the experiment. The experiment. I have no idea if this is going to work. I blew stuff up in my science experiments, and maybe this is going to go that way. But there's only one way to find out. One way to find out. And this is it. Forget everything else. This is it. To the Jesus followers here tonight, what if? What if we wake up tomorrow thinking this thought? Today, I want to shine. Today, I'm going to shine. I'm going to shine outside or inside, but I'm going to shine somehow today. What am I going to do today that's going to light up my world? Well, let me find a way. As we wake up with that, this is my thought. For those of you who are like, you know what? Yeah, 
I do want to follow Jesus' command to shine. You can do it any different way. But I'd invite you to mutually encourage one another, including myself, with this little one-week experiment. Here's how it's going to go. Step one, you're going to text the word LIGHT to 905-869-6470, which is my phone number. Don't do it yet. Step two, tomorrow when you wake up, just want you to simply pray this thought, Father, I want to shine. Would you give me opportunities and would you show me? So you know what's amazing? How many opportunities we see when we're looking for them and how many we bypass when we're not? Step three, I want you to actually do something about that. We sometimes talk about the 10 second rule that if you think I'm reasonably certain that God's the one prompting me to do this, that I'm in the next 10 seconds, I'm going to actually follow through with doing it, to do it soon. You know, there's a, there's a girl from our church, she's got a whole lot of kids, and uh, she was driving down the road here um, last, when there was a snowstorm, and she passed by one of the driveways here. She just felt prompted on the inside. She saw an elderly lady out there shoveling the snow, and she's like, pull over and help her shovel. And she's, I, can't, I don't know for sure if she had the kids in the back or whatever, but she's like, what? Oh, I don't. And then she had this thought. She's like, you know what? Every time I pass up one of these opportunities, I remember that opportunity for the rest of my life. So I'm just going to go shovel this driveway so I never have to think about it again. Pulled over, went out. The lady was like, wow, what are you doing? She's like, I'm from Kingsway Church over there. I just want to shovel your driveway and shoveled some snow and then left, told her husband, said, don't tell anyone. And he told me. So that's how I know. I thought, man, inspiring. Because it's one of the driveways that I went by with a gift just a week later. And I thought about it because it's happened to me recently too. I look up to her because I had this thought at the gas station, Toby's. There was a guy there talking to me, and he had somehow, he saw me the tricycle race, so he knew I was a pastor. And he starts talking, he starts calling me pastor in front of everybody else. I'm kind of a little, like, embarrassed, and, I'm, and yet he wants to talk. And I'm kind of like, mm, I don't want to talk. And I just feel this voice on the inside, you should have talked to him. And as I peeled out of there, I couldn't shake it. I'm like, you should have talked to him. He wanted to talk. You should have took that opportunity. I was like, you know what? You're right. So the next day as I was driving home, I was like, man, I don't really need gas. And I felt that prompting. You need gas. Go talk to him. Go give him a gift and invite him to the services. I was like, oh, man, like yesterday was just talk to him. You know, now it's this. And, and I went and I'm like, okay, I'll just go see if he's there. And I pulled in. He's there. And he's the one filling my gas tank. And as I look out, I'm like, talk to him. I'm like, nice boots. Are they warm? I was never good at pickup lines. <laughs> I just said, you know, I was like, ah, I was going to, you know, I was bought some warm boots myself. And uh, that was it. And I left. You know what I knew? Like, I wanted to turn around and go back and be like, you know what? I didn't need gas. I needed to come here because I needed to talk to you. Jesus loves you. And he's just prompting me on the inside. He's reaching out for you. Here's a gift. Would you? I'd love for you to come check out our church or just to chat sometime. And I drove away. I didn't do it. Guess who's remembering that today? <laughs> well, it didn't leave. I, had, I was like, man, you know what, the next time? Because now, like, I, every time I go past Toby's, it's like, pull in. And so the other day, I was like, man, I'm driving. I'm like, okay, God, I'll, I want the chance. And I went there. I didn't need gas again. It got maybe like $7. I drove in. I'm looking, and he's not there. 
And that's been my last chance so far. I know God's not done reaching for him, but he may be done reaching for him through me. I may have missed an opportunity to shine. I don't want to miss those. And I don't want you to feel like I feel sometimes. And so I'd love you for, even as I share just those two thoughts, my, my hope in sharing that is not to say, wow, look how great we are, look how terrible we are, because that's not the point. The point is it gives you an idea of what those things look like. The way he prompts me is likely a way he could prompt you. And so that's my thought. That when this week, for those of you who join us, I'm just going to text you tomorrow morning, say, hey, let's pray together. God, give us opportunities. And when you have one, I want you to text us back and say, here's what I did. Here's what I did. I went out and this is what I did. Not so we can slap you on the back, but I'm going to text that to everybody the next day to say, here's how God prompted one of our family members. Maybe that's going to be one you should be looking for today. No names, no nothing, no accolades, but simply that this group of Jesus followers might just light up our world around us this week. Maybe it's an epic fail, but I think it's worth trying. And whatever it is that you do, that it has Jesus attached to it. You can simply say, you know what, I did this so that they would see Jesus. And I'll tell them straight, I'm only doing this because I, God loves you. Maybe you know it already, maybe you don't, but I want you to know. I want you to know. And so closing, just read as Paul wrote a letter to the Philippian believers. He wrote to the, the Philippians, he said this to them. And I, I, as I read it, I was like, man, that's us too. It says this, Philippians 2.13, for God's working in you. It's not you. When you obey those opportunities, God's working through you. God's working in you, through you. He's given you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And he says, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you, so that you'd be blameless. So nobody, you know, you're not perfect, but you're honest. That you would live clean, innocent lives as children of God. He says, you know what? You'll be shining, shining like bright lights, shining like stars in some versions. It says, in a world full of crooked and perverse people. There's darkness everywhere, but my church was meant to shine. That no darkness of hell is ever going to stand against it if they would shine. If they would shine, if they'd let the world see their good deeds. And every one of those is just pointing to their Heavenly Father, the one that they don't know yet. So what if we decided this year not to put away the lights? Not to put away the light of Christmas. The light that we just so enjoyed over the season, but that we instead would say, you know what, no, I'm going to light up my world. I want to light up my world. Whether that's my home, whether that's my school, whether that's my friends, my job. Maybe it's homeschool. Maybe it's work. It's marriage. Maybe it's your hockey team. It's the gas station. Maybe it's just simply Balmoral. Do you know what? People wave at me now. I was like, this is sweet. Man, can we just... I got to say one more thing. I went to one of the doors this week. And when I got there, as soon as I got there, I said, hey, we're from Kingsway Church. We want to invite you to the, to the candlelight service. We want just you to know that Jesus loves you. She started crying. She says, you know what? This is the second time I've been invited. She says, there's somebody at the church. And she told me the name, said she's been inviting me for weeks. I was like, yes. Because she went out. She went out. She's out lighting up her world. And you may never see the fruit of it in this lifetime. I can't wait till eternity and we get there and someone walks up to you and says, hey, I'm here because you stopped at my gas station and those words you said never left. If you're here tonight and you're not a Jesus follower, man, it's the best. It's amazing. Life with him is amazing and he loves you. He's reaching for you. I don't know where you're at, but he does. And if you feel him drawing on your heart tonight, maybe you're like, it's in the same sense. You're like, man, I want this to be true. And there's a voice that says, oh, you're terrible. You don't deserve it or whatever, whatever. That voice is simply a lie. 
there's forgiveness for everyone who knows they need it. If you feel like, man, God, I, I need to get it right with you, he says, there's forgiveness for you. And I love you, and I'll welcome you back in with wide open arms. Just turn away from whatever it was and turn to me. Put your eyes on the light. Let me shine in you and through you. Let me shine it all away. Can we pray? Father, thank you. Thank you for shining in a way that I can't even say I found you. You found me. Thank you for that. Father, thank you for the opportunities and for this church, this group of Jesus followers who really follow. Thank you for that. Lord, as we just desire to take you at your word, to be obedient to you, maybe may we get it wrong in our approach or whatever, but Father, our heart is to follow you and to see people find you and know you and know the truth, know the truth of your love. Lord, help us this week to go light up our worlds, light up our homes, that our marriages, that the ones closest to us would see you in us. Lord, the people that we come across uh, in this crazy season that are just crazy, that they would see you in us. Help us, Jesus, not to take that, take that bait to make it about us and how good we are, but just to keep pointing people to you. Because you're the one they need. You're the one we needed. Thank you for that. It's in your beautiful name that I pray. Amen.